Hello, listeners, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, episode 215. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be discussing the new buddy comedy dramedy true life kind of movie tag starring Brian Dennehy. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I love that you mentioned Brian Dennehy because <laughs> although he looks close to death's door in this film, I wrote Brian Dennehy somehow looks better than ever. <laughs> I agree. But like two movies ago when we talk about Ocean's 8, Elliot Gould looked like he was like a reanimated corpse <laughs> and Brian Dennehy looked arguably worse, but somehow I thought, way to go, Brian Dennehy. <laughs> we're, we're giving him a pass somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow he gets a, he gets a pass. Uh, well, hey, man, I'm excited to talk about this movie, even though the Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores for this are not robust. No. Um, I felt like it had been a while since we talked about a comedy and with good reason. Hollywood is really struggling with comedies. I don't know if you uh, care, so if you don't, shut up. But last year's best uh, box office grossing comedy was Girls Trip, which took in a little over $117 million in the U.S. and Canada. Did you the see last that one? time I did not. Okay. The last time that the year's highest grossing comedy grossed that little was 1995. You're kidding me. No. Oh, wow. And, and back then, movie tickets cost, on average, 52% less. That's fascinating. That's quite a statistic. I'm trying to think of the comedies that we have talked about most recently. I mean, Oscar time comes around. We don't talk about any. Best picture, past best pictures don't count, obviously, in that that realm. There, so there talked, are none. I mean, there's Annie Hall, but that's about it. Would we consider Ocean's 8 a comedy, I guess? I think it was supposed to be funny, but neither of us found it funny. No, but I, I the, remember the, Ghostbusters last year. There just aren't that many. I mean, in 2013, the five most successful comedies of the year on average grossed $141 million. Last year, it was $85 million on average. That's fascinating. For the, for the top five comedies. So the question is, why are people not seeing comedies anymore? Is it Hollywood's not making good comedies is it that they can go see uh, stand-up specials on Netflix? Is it that movies like Deadpool 2 are both a comic book action movie and a comedy kind of mushed together? Whatever the reason, a straight-up comedy is a rarity these days. And so I was really excited to see Tag and to get the opportunity to talk to you about it. I'm excited to talk to you about it as well. I think it's interesting when I talked to Christy about the movie that we were going to see and described it to her very briefly she's like oh so is this kind of like the hangover and i'm just fascinated to hear the statistics that you read about the top five grossing comedies because i can think in recent years of some great comedies like bridesmaids was an obvious critical success and huge box office success the hangover maybe one or two of the sequels did well i don't totally remember but uh i told her when i got home like this movie is nowhere near that genre. This is a, a very different kind of comedy from The Hangover. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that it's uh, an interesting point to keep in mind as we get into the discussion. For sure. Well, hey, I'll, I'll start us off with a quick plot recap. Uh, Tag is the quasi-true story of a group of childhood friends in this film 
Uh, there are five of them. There's Hoagie, Bob, Chili, Sable, and Jerry, who all grew up together. And every year in the month of May, they played the game Tag. And they've been playing this game every May for 30 years. And the movie opens with Hoagie sneaking into Bob's company. Bob is now the CEO of a successful organization. Hoagie infiltrates the organization in order to tag Bob and lets Bob know that Jerry, who has never been tagged in 30 years, that Jerry is planning to retire with a perfect record. Uh, he, he is getting married, and so Hoagie, Bob, uh, assemble the rest of the gang, Chili and Sable, and set out to find Jerry at his wedding and try and tag him, ideally without ruining his wedding. Ultimately, that may be a harder bargain than they originally sought out to make. Uh, they have a hell of a lot of fun. They play tag. They get on each other's nerves. They fight over women. They revisit past problems and old scores. Jerry, played by Jeremy Renner, proves himself to be nearly untaggable. And the ragtag group of friends uh, gets the opportunity to connect one more time and already look forward to next year's game of tag. And that's tag. I like the ragtag throw in there. Was that intentional? Right, ragtag tag. Yeah, like right, that. it's just yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I thought that it was merely okay. It, much like Ocean's Eight, I think my criticism of the film is that you've got an amazing assemblage of talent and comedic talent uh, with most of those characters into one space with tons of jokes that just didn't land and came off sort of sort of half-assed. How about you? I did not think this was a very good movie. I really wanted to like it for many of the reasons you mentioned. I think the I think the topic or the storyline is actually quite funny. I think there's an opportunity to play it a little straighter than they did and have it be more of a, a bittersweet sort of comedy or movie about friendship or male friendship. Right. So I thought there was really a great opportunity. And I agree. I think John Hamm, I think Ed Helms um, are, are fantastic. I, I think the rest of the cast is pretty good. But I don't know what anyone was thinking when they cast Jeremy Renner in a comedy. Yeah, I agree. Jeremy Renner is not at all funny. Like not even a little bit, not for a moment of this movie. And they really play up almost like he's playing Hawkeye in the Avengers. I mean, right down to like, you hear his inner thoughts and they're all like, he's a genius statistician. You know, he's a genius at strategery right. and um, like an acrobatic gymnast superhero. And it just loses all connectivity to any sort of real life. So the movie sort of ping pongs around between trying to be more real, trying to be a stupid hangover type comedy and then being something else. But problem one was casting Jeremy Renner, I think. Yeah, I agree with the Jeremy Renner criticism. I I guess I do really like the premise of the movie. I wanted yeah. to enjoy a story about a group of, you know, late 30s, uh, early 40s guys who were buds once upon a time reconnecting once a year to tag each other in the most extreme, stupid, out-of-left-field methods possible. And I think that when it came down to strictly those kinds of flashbacks and moments and recollections, 
that's when I really laughed. Unfortunately, I saw almost all of them in the trailer, so none of right. them were really a surprise. And I think that that's what left me feeling really sour at the end of this is that, well, you know, it's, it's one of those movies where the best parts were in the trailer. Yeah. Very little else added to the story. I, I really could have told you the most of the movie from the trailer. Yeah. No, and I agree. And that's just a, it's both a triumph of marketing, I guess, and a real shame in that I wholeheartedly agree that the best gags were in the trailer. And I had hoped that they'd be fleshed out some more and that there'd be some more great moments that we'd be able to enjoy. And there really weren't that many. Yeah. Although I will say right up front, the opening five minutes of this movie, I was laughing really hard. <laughs> yes. I, I was hoping that was going to be the whole thing. Yes. And it, it did not pan out. I love that Ed Helms actually applied for and got a job as a janitor at John Hamm's company. Complete with like stupid fake mustache and a wig. And then busts in on him while he's doing a really important interview. Like there's just nothing is sacred. No matter, It's not like clearly he's doing something important. I don't want to screw up his career. I don't want to mess up his company. It's like, nope, this is a good time to tag him. So he struck while he was at his weakest point. And it was great. It was a great scene. I love even more that John Hamm takes it to 11 by not just being like, no, dude, wrong time. Get out of here. I'll let you tag me in 30 minutes when this interview's done. He actually tries to throw an office chair yes. through a plate glass window to escape the tag. That's how seriously these guys take it. And, and Ed Helms is applying for this job despite the fact that he's a PhD in veterinary medicine with a successful practice. Right, right. Like, they will go to any lengths. To try and outsmart one another. And I love that John Hamm was going to, you know, break one of his own assets. Like, like shatter a window yeah, in yeah. his own office building to get away from And the just tag. run away. Yeah. yeah. In front of a, a reporter. I was also laughing my ass off in the first five minutes. I completely agree. I thought, boy, this is going to be a great movie. Like, I am down for this ride. Now, but that that was already different than what I was expecting. I was expecting, like we've talked about, that more bittersweet, you know, there's the moment in the trailer... Um, where they're at Ed Helms' dad's funeral and one of the buddies comes up and says, I just, I think your dad would feel really good that we're here and that you're it. <laughs> you know, and then they all laugh. Like they, it's like they, the game brought them together and here they are still after all these, t- all this time, like they're there at these important mo- moments in each other's lives. I was expecting something more heartfelt and those first five minutes, I got such a screwball, silly comedy. I thought right. I'll take this instead and for really from that scene on, the movie felt like it didn't know which it wanted to be. And then every once in a while, it just really crank up, like, the crassness. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere, it became, like, X-rated. And I thought, well, this was unnecessary. Like, now they're trying to woo the hangover crowd. Yeah, they had to introduce yeah. pot a lot in the movie. You know, drugs become a big thing and shots and weird, like, sort of... Uh, milf sex kind of things going on. Right, I right. just thought, got absolutely unnecessary. Didn't contribute to the humor at all. Like I think they're trying to be the Hangover and just you know failing miserably at that. I also really took issue with. They also introduce a subplot where two of the characters apparently both had a crush on the same girl in like grade school. And here now the same girl, now played by Rashida Jones, 30 years later, 
they're both sort of gaga for her and kind of tripping over one another and kind of stabbing each other in the back. And I just thought, guys don't do that. Guys don't, especially after 30 years. Yeah, right. They don't go gaga over some girl from elementary school as the one who got away to the point where they want to stab their best buddy in the back. Yeah, that was also It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. It was such a screenwriterly, like, we just needed something to complicate the narrative. They needed something to kind of drive it was running these guys a apart short on time or yeah, something like that. exactly yeah, or yeah. it was like we can't just have a movie about five buddies who are all buddies yeah like they have to like compete against each. i mean they're already in a game they're already competing it, it was it, exactly this was a totally unnecessary side plot competition that didn't make any sense yeah what one thing i i do need to throw out there that i really loved and you're going to be shocked because they use the old needle drop and then fade into the ambient soundtrack several times. It didn't bug me this time because the music really? was so good. I think I think that because you and I are very close in age to the main characters in this film, that the fact that their their retro soundtrack to recreate their younger years just is totally reminiscent of me at that age at every stage there's a there's a point where they use the beastie boys shake your rump from paul's boutique early in the film that i just loved and thought was fantastic i've never heard used in a film before i thought the soundtrack was totally bitching in this movie it was dope I, I, i really like that i think my my biggest complaint about the movie is that i never got a clear understanding of what the rules of this game of tag were. And I could never quite understand how every year they'd get together for a month and play it and quite how it worked out. Like there was apparently a no tag back rule. So I guess if it was just, if it was whomever was it the previous year got to another guy early in May, the subsequent year and tagged them in an airport, for instance, they couldn't get tagged back. Like, now that guy's it, and he has to find another one in the group to tag. But then, right. so, at several points throughout the film, they they used that that sort of nuance of the rules to get in or out of still being it. And it never, it never really made total sense. Like, okay, well, you can't tag me back, but the other three guys are standing a foot away, so why don't you go tag one of them back? And then sometimes I, well, they use I it think to their benefit the and to their effect, but it, it was just a, a, a weird, complex game of tag that I couldn't quite couldn't quite get. How, how do you guys, knowing it was based on a true story, I would love to have seen how the rules of this actually worked to see how they did it over the 20 or 30 years. Well, because we don't fact check, I didn't go back and read the story. But there is a Wall Street Journal story from January 29th, 2013, which does feature a story about the game. There were way more than five guys, by the way. I think from the picture, it looked like there's maybe more than ten. And there was some footage over the credits, if you stayed, of the real-life guys. Now, of course, all these guys that that are playing, they all look like 50, 55 (laughs) They all wear like 240 pounds. They're all balding, gray hair. None of them the look same, like John Ham and yeah, Jake right, Johnson. Right. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I know you gotta you gotta get some movie stars in here, but come on. Um, I didn't have the problems with the rules, except to say, you know, in this movie, it starts at like May 20. 
seventh or something. So Hoagie, played by Ed Helms, was ostensibly it last year, and he hasn't tagged anybody, and he waits for the very end of the month to, to show up. And they don't all live in the same state even, so, I mean, there's travel involved, so it's a commitment um, for him to go and tag John Hamm. So I didn't, I didn't mind that – I guess I followed the rules, but what I felt was weird is – on the one hand, it did seem like they, they got together almost every year. It did seem like they traveled out of their way to play this game each year, at least for a, a little bit of time. And yet they often they already they also acted as though they didn't know anything about each other. Like they have been out of each other's lives for a long time. Yeah. And and like Jerry, played by Jeremy Renner, he's never been tagged, but did they just not try for the last 10 years? Right, right. And then they just didn't call or write or email or talk to, or text to him at all in the interceding 11 months because he was an alcoholic and none of them knew that. He was getting married. None of them knew that. I mean, there's just – it seemed like they weren't very close. And, and the movie seemed to try to make it seem like they weren't close because he was never tagged. Which was also a stupid thing to imply. Kind of an odd screenwriting uh, turn yeah. there. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I feel like every one of the other characters had just a funny, ridiculous way in which they would try to get the next guy the next year. I mean, showing up in their psychiatrist's closet, applying for the job. Like, I mean, just all these these stupid things. But then... Every time Jeremy Renner's character appeared on screen, it was like he was a superhero in this sort of stealth kind of, oh, I expected you to be here. Like It, it was really, really, the, the plot just dropped in excitement to me every time he came on screen. Yeah. And I, he was willing to like jump through plate glass windows and he hired a bunch of people to impersonate him and like build traps in the woods straight out of the movie predator. And it was like, he really, he went to all these lengths because the other guys just showed up at the guy's apartment. Right. And right, surprised right, him. Right. And I, I also really, I took a, I, I guess I bristled at the fact that the, the whole climax of the film is that, um, his character is so upset not that they crashed his AA meeting and ruined it, but then his wife shows up upset that he's late for their photographs or something like that and fakes a miscarriage, which I think right. was a really dark turn to take. In totally. I think that that was, that was playing comedy pretty rough. And, and then I couldn't agree with the plot that all the, like some of the guys are like, is she faking this? And then others are like, no, we got to go along with it. And he gets all mad at them. And I'm like, well, dude, they didn't do anything to her. Like, you're playing a game that you've you've been undefeated at for 30 years. So they're getting you the best way that they can. I thought that it was odd that he was upset with them at that moment. Like, they had not called her. They had not crashed her party. They had not done anything. And then it becomes this climax of them being completely upset with themselves over what they've done. And, of course, they hadn't done anything. you know. Right. So I just thought that was a really dark moment in the movie. Very dark, very unnecessary. And it made Leslie Bibb's character, the fiancé, totally unlikable. Like, completely impossible. 
yeah. I couldn't get past it. It was like, well, she might be the worst human I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. And they're supposed to just shrug it off. And Jake Johnson's response to her where he says, I'm not saying I want you to have a miscarriage because that's not right. And I'm not saying that if you have one, you deserve it because that's going too far. But I will say if you'd have one, that's what you get. <laughs> that to me was the best line in the movie. Like it, I, I was like, amen. Not, you know, like not, it was hilariously not, delivered. It, that was good writing. But not only was it the best line in the movie, but John Hamm's like side screen reactions to every one yes. of those comments were pitch perfect. That was another laugh out loud moment that thankfully brought a really dark turn to the movie back to comedy because every time he'd say something, John Hamm would just be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, well, like, like, like don't go there. Movie, nope, nope. <laughs> now, anybody who's watched 30 Rock or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt already knows this, but John Hamm is hilarious. Oh, he's... He or is, when he hosts Saturday Night Live. He is a brilliant comedian. He is the funniest person in this movie, followed very closely by Ed Helms. Jake Johnson is great, but... Hannibal Buress has no charisma. He's Ah. not all that funny. He's kind of an anti-personality. He's sort of a vacuum. And then Jeremy Renner's not funny. So 40% of your cast sucks. I wrote that that was the last major thing about the film that I disliked was Hannibal Buress as like playing the straight man of the group was totally lame. I think there was one funny moment that he had in the movie and it wasn't even him speaking it was him you were hearing his thoughts where he's kind of spaced out at his guard station for the game of tag and he's wondering why the word bi-weekly means both twice a week and every other week and it seems like such a lame use of the lazy use of the english language which is something i've always laughed about so like hearing his his auditory thoughts at that moment was really funny but he wasn't even acting in the scene, right? It's just right, his voice right. over while you're looking at his character. And doesn't he, he does stand up, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, much yeah about he's it. a very successful comedian. I just so thought you, that he you'd was, think he had more to bring and they just didn't let him do it. He was nothing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the Rashida Jones plot, I'm sorry. And I do have a man crush on John Hamm, but what woman chooses Jake Johnson? Jake Johnson. <laughs> Over John Ham, like especially like recently divorced, clearly high, broke, like at the end of his rope, Jake Johnson versus he kept making jokes super about successful her, her deceased ex. Like that's not yeah, funny. yeah, super successful CEO of a company, like throwing away thousands of dollars. John Ham in a you're, suit. You're going. I would slow dance with John Ham. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on, like you got to be some sort of bonehead. So this movie had a great idea it had a great potential 60 percent of a great cast and i just feel like no one knew what to do with it and it just is like a c minus mess i totally agree what's up with What's up with the scene where they're breaking into Jeremy Renner's house and they break in through a dog door? Does anybody have a dog door? Have you met anybody that has a dog door? I noticed that that happening in the film and I recall 
Home Alone, one of my favorite Christmas movies where the burglars right, are trying sure. to get in through the dog door. And it only makes me want, like, does, that's got to decrease the temperature of that room in the winter by 30 degrees. Does anybody let their dog just come and go as they please? And it's a total security risk. Like, who has a dog door? Did these things ever really exist? It's sort of like in Tom and Jerry when there's a little mouse hole cut out of the baseboard. Right, like, right. Nobody really has those, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the Tom and Jerry is a great point. Uh, what's up with the teddy bear gag of Mr. Stubbles? I mean, this is another lazy screenwriter's gag where... They're at Jeremy Renner's house. They're about to catch him, and he video chats with them, threatening to masturbate into Ed Helms' childhood teddy bear, and he drops everything, and they chase after him. And right. it's like, Wait, why? what? What forty-something-year-old man gives cares about his teddy bear right. anymore? I just right. was like, yeah. dude, this is just laziness. Speaking of which, did you see the? the red band trailer for that like x-rated muppets movie before yes oh yes. boy well all right anyway uh what what's up with the scene at the country club where they're at like the rehearsal dinner or whatever it is and they've got like the most generic awful stock footage of a golf course because y- you don't see anybody golfing but you overhear somebody yell four and then you hear them hit their drive like you don't call four before you hit the ball you you yell four when it's traveling at somebody out on the golf course. like that, It was just such a stupid thing. Like, clearly nobody involved with the movie has ever played Never or heard of course. the game right. of golf. Like, right. you, you yell four when somebody's in danger, not because you're right. about to hit. These people have never golfed. They've never played tag. They've never <laughs> been to a house with or without a dog door. <laughs> right, right. They've never met John Hamm in person. I mean, at that's the one funny part about the the wedding is again when Jake Johnson is concerned or suspects that Jeremy Renner is actually pulling a Truman show that the entire there's, wedding there's is no fake, wedding <laughs> that he's just orchestrated the entire thing to win a game of tag, which I actually would have respected more, but it also would have been like something super extreme that would only happen in a movie, and so they were in a box, they were just yeah. in a. A, b- a box of cliches, and and it was just tough. It was a tough spot. Final, what's up with is the you mentioned that this became an actual front page article, or at least an article in the Wall Street Journal at one point. The woman who plays the reporter in the 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 journalist in this movie, I mean, talk about your there. There's no way that anybody that writes for a national publication is as dimwitted as this woman was. Every scene that she was in was comical. She, she'd she be like, oh, I'm confused. What just happened? Even though she witnessed the whole thing. It was it was the dumbest subplot, which I know is trying to get us to the, the final result of, no, this was a real thing. And it was actually written about and, and whatever. But, oh, was she useless. Yeah, she was just for exposition. And it all came off of, as like mansplaining. Yeah. It was really rough. Yeah. And she's such a cipher. Did you remember anything about her? Do you remember no. her name? Do you remember? Could, did she have a memorable line? Like. No. Yeah. No. She was just a complete like, we need something so we can move this story. Same with the bartender at yeah, their neighborhood yeah. bar who like has always wanted to play tag, but they never would let him. Right. And it's like, really? This is where we're at? 
especially since at the end of the movie they have no problem letting in everybody else play yeah. tag. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. Just not a great movie. Such a sad, like a, a good opportunity just wasted. I would not recommend people check this movie out. Well, there's our final thoughts, but before we get to them, how about five questions? Uh, Let's sure. do it. Uh, question number one. Five listeners submitted questions for the movie Tag. The game of Tag they're playing is arguably the longest game of Tag ever played. Why aren't they making a movie of the game of Monopoly I've been playing with my kids for the last eight years? <laughs> Great question. And there was a, a long period of time where Ridley Scott was trying to make a movie of Monopoly, uh, right? And then Battleship came out oh, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. tanked hard. <laughs> so luckily, we've been saved thus far from a, a Monopoly movie. Thank God we but got Clue there. in, though, right? Because that's a fantastic movie. And they're remaking Clue. Are they really? You're kidding. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is remaking it. Fantastic. That's that's the best news I've heard all day. Uh, question two. I think I know your answer to this one. Would Will Ferrell and Jack Black initially in mind during development of the script have helped this movie? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, if it was Ed Helms, Jake Johnson, John Hamm, uh, and those two guys, that'd be great. Yeah, Although the ages awesome. would be so wacky. It'd be a little weird. Like, maybe like they would have been like two older, older brothers. Of, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right. All right. Uh, question number three. Is Nora Dunn the latest fatality to have fallen on black days? You know, I laughed at her like one scene and then I just felt bad whenever else I saw her on, on yeah. camera. So I feel she bad for her. She didn't have a lot to do here. She deserved better. She was a very, very funny lady. Okay. All right. She's one of the Sweeney sisters, right? Wasn't it mm-hmm. her and Jan Hooks? Uh, question number four. Jeremy Renner fractured his arm filming a stunt, reshot the scene, and had the cast removed in subsequent scenes via CGI. Would the production team have simply been better off reshooting the movie with Christopher Plummer? <laughs> yes. Yes, that'd be great. Christopher Plummer would have been that character. That been... 90 years old. <laughs> that would have been excellent. And final question. In the credit scene, real-life footage, we see one man tagging another man in his gymnasium locker room shower, a scene that leaves little to the imagination. Why didn't they recreate that one with John Hamm in the shower? hey Can't argue with that. We love John Hamm. You've got a man crush on him. I'm not ashamed to say it. He is a handsome man. And cool and hilarious. I, I, so he's, he's one of my favorites, too. Find yeah. a fault. Anyway, so, uh, totally thanks agree. for the question, listeners. Uh, skip the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we've got a sequel to the sleeper surprise hit of a few years ago, Sicario. Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado, starring Matthew Modine. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. 
We'll be back again next week with another episode. But until then, enjoy the movies.